Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, DMM Foundation's yield farming announcement. Anonymous credentials are coming to the Cosmos ecosystem. And the truth about Bitcoin's Green New Deal. All coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Yo, what's up, everybody? Today is Thursday, September 10th, 2020, and I am excited to be here today. I also want to welcome our newest member to the Crypt writing staff, Kieran Smith. Thank you very much for talking to me today about Bitcoin's Green New Deal. That's coming up in our main story. But before we get into that, I want to talk about the crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. I'm recording this at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $10,362.43, up half a percent from yesterday. Ethereum, $368.63, up 3.1% from yesterday. Litecoin, $4864. It's the same as yesterday. Chainlink, $1275, up 1.5% from yesterday. And XRP, $24.4, up 1% from yesterday. Total market cap for all cryptocurrency is $339.3 billion. Bitcoin dominance slipped a little bit more to 56.5%. I'm rushing through all of the intro stuff today because we have a big news days, a lot of conversations. We have three people coming on the show to talk about three different topics plus another news topic. So I need to get right into it so I don't bore you and you have enough time to listen to this podcast on your way to work or your way home from work. So let's get into talking to our newest member of the Decrypt team. Again, welcome, Kieran Smith talking about talking the truth behind bitcoin's green new deal enjoy kieran how you doing welcome to the show hey thanks for having me absolutely absolutely you wrote this article that i just really enjoyed because it's one of those conversations that i think that we need to continue to have in the crypto space the truth about bitcoin's green new deal do me a favor before we get into your article talking about bitcoin's energy consumption can you tell me one what is the issues with Bitcoin and its energy consumption? And two, what are some solutions to it? And three, if tell me about people's idea about Bitcoin's energy consumption. Like, is it good? Is it bad? And so on and so forth. Well, the, the issue is Bitcoin gets a lot of flack for its energy consumption because it consumes an awful lot of energy, you know, the equivalent of um, seven nuclear power plants or around the country of Chile. Whether or not this is a problem, it depends on your perspective. But from the environmental perspective that we should be conserving energy, it is a bit of a problem. Now, interestingly, the Bitcoin maximalists have the opposite idea to that. They have taken the idea that Bitcoin is a environmental catastrophe and turn that on its head to say that actually it's a, a sort of panacea, like um, a benefit to the environment, which is not an original Bitcoin maximalist idea. Um, much, in, much in the same way that much of the maximalist ideas come from Austrian economics, this idea of Bitcoin or a similar sort of currency actually helping the environment comes originally from Henry Ford. You know, you might think he's a, a guy who's uh, worth listening to, having, um, you know, contributed the uh, assembly line, etc. But he did also have some bad ideas like uh, anti-Semitism, etc. What Henry Ford came up with is the idea of an energy currency. So he figured that 
sustainable well renewable sources of energy could be transformed into a currency he never um managed to turn this into a reality but since bitcoin has come on the scene certain people think that bitcoin enables that reality to come about okay so how is it a benefit to the environment as you said the bitcoin maximalists say well the idea is that it can help renewable energy get off the ground china where they had a 50-year dam building boom and ended up with far too much energy and not enough distribution networks to take that energy out to cities which is basically a symptom of poor central planning because there was such a surplus of energy bitcoin miners set up shop there and you know to capitalize on the cheap electricity in some cases these miners actually helped the renewable hydropower plants pay their bills until the plants could actually be connected to towns you know through distribution networks so they've helped the renewable energy plants become profitable um, or to last long enough before the the networks can be laid out but if i understand correctly about renewable energy if it's uh, hydro or, or what have you i mean it's basically just using generators i mean you use generators um in nuclear and hydro and in geothermal thermal you if you have too much energy, you just turn off one of the one of the turbines or the generators. I mean, what's what's the issue with you using the surplus? I mean, I don't get it. The idea is that that, that energy is untapped, but it, it it could be used. So sure, you can you could turn off a uh, turbine. You know, that, that's a waste in itself. If the energy is there, it might as well be used for something. So with this green new deal, they say that the energy should be or could be used for something but if it isn't that means it's a waste but i don't understand uh, still and I, I apologize to keep asking and beating the same uh dead horse but uh-huh. what is the net benefit for bitcoin or for the world if bitcoin is using the untapped energy or the unused renewable energy besides saying oh it's going to do something for geothermal or hydro or re- these re- renewables because it doesn't seem that besides using energy that could be produced it's not actually helping. Is there is there other aspects to this? What's the net benefit of using Bitcoin for these? The I mean, that depends on how you see the value of Bitcoin. If you believe that there is value to having this uh, global settlement layer, a uh, peer-to-peer network, then anything is within reason. It's worth investing in that. It's worth using energy to support that. I think most people agree that it, it is a good thing. But the, the rub comes when you have uh, sources of, of energy that could be uh, tapped in other ways, but they're, they're not. They are um, supporting Bitcoin. For example, in Texas, they're experimenting with um, wind-powered mining plants. The wind, the wind farms have been set up and while they are being, before they are linked to the, the grid, the wind power is fueling mining. However, at the same time in Texas, elsewhere, they've also got wind farms that are feeding that same energy into uh, grid, grid scale batteries, which is obviously more beneficial in terms of the purpose of the plants creating energy for the nearby towns and cities. Use of electricity for basic daily needs. Okay, so fine. Yeah, you use it for your laptop, you use it for your television, you use it for your light, you know, electricity is everywhere. I I get that. But what you're not using it for your money, Um, you're not using it for your your transportation per se. I mean, once in my opinion, and this is one of the things I think with slippery slopes with Tesla, it's like, right now, a Tesla selling point is like, oh, it's so much cheaper to charge it at your house until everybody gets a Tesla. And then then it's going to be more expensive to charge it at your house than it was to fill up your tank. So I'm, I'm thinking that the same thing's going to happen with Bitcoin, with, with Tesla, with all these things that we're going to say, hey, let's use electricity because it's cheaper now until you figure out that, that people need to pay 
more money to charge your Tesla, to spend your money, to start uh, mining your Bitcoin because it's the way the world goes around. And now you have the middleman, the uh, power grids, the electric companies, the renewables, the hydros or what have you charging what they can charge because that's uh, capitalism is charging what you can charge until the, the system breaks and then everything gets more expensive. Thanks. Do you think that there is a future for Bitcoin with the amount of energy that it consumes? It consumes a hell of a lot of energy. And for a stronger network, it's going to need to consume even more. Do you think that there's a future for Bitcoin with this kind of, I guess, uh, tax to use it? I mean, absolutely. Uh, it effectively acts as a parasite. So it doesn't matter how much energy... It's still going to continue to exist, even if it's a relatively small um, network. Sure, it'd be more vulnerable to attack, but if it's if it's that small, probably no one's going to even want to attack it anyway, because it'll just be completely irrelevant. You know, if history is anything to to go by, then it will it will just keep growing, at least for the short term future. And I don't think there's any sign that it, it's uh, going to slow down, especially since we're now seeing more forming partnerships with oil and gas companies in North America. That's going to obviously contribute a lot of energy to the Bitcoin network. And it's a very symbiotic relationship with um, oil and gas producers. I mean, it's not necessarily ecological. It's hardly renewable or sustainable, but it, it, it's a symbiotic relationship in a sense. Right on, Kieran. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Hey, thank you very much. And in other news, the DMM Foundation reached out to me to tell me that they're going to start yield farming. And I was like, what is yield farming? Well, they're going to come and tell me about yield farming and what they're going to do with it with their platform. Here is partner Corey Kaplan of the DMM Foundation to talk about it. Corey, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. You guys are launching some new projects. I'm going to allow you to talk about that in one second. But it has to do with, of course, DeFi, as your name says, DeFi, Money Market, or DM, DAO, and yield farming. First, let's talk about what is yield farming, and let's go to your news. Yield farming is this uh, phenomenon that's going on right now, whereby projects are using interesting incent ways to incentivize people to do good behavior for their ecosystem in order to be able to, in order to make it grow further typically they're usually they're juicing incentives up and getting people pretty excited by doing things that otherwise wouldn't be uh, possible in centralized finance and doing some very interesting things yield farming what is the yield what is farming and what does that have to do with DeFi? so the yield part of it of course uh, relates back to some roi or some return on investment that you're getting from performing the act of farming and farming itself is a pretty abstract term that could vary from project to project. Uh, with ours in particular, it happens to do with moving your money around into our protocol, adding liquidity and adding, bringing up the, the amount of deposits we have in circulation in order to uh, facilitate growth. Excellent. And now that's a great transition into your project. You just said moving money and liquidity into your project. What is your project, sir? Our project is DeFi Money Market. We're focused on bringing stable interest using real world assets and essentially tokenized real world assets or pools of them in order to provide stable yield that's uncorrelated from the rest of the crypto market to on-chain cryptocurrency holders. So typically this is uh, individuals that are looking to, to get stable yield that otherwise would not be able to get access to it otherwise and are looking for something that can offer a stable ROI throughout the course of an entire year. How do you promise or how do you manage to achieve the stability in that ROI? So the tokenized real world assets that we're, with which we're, we are working actually are based on contractual arrangements that are usually 12 to 18 months by, in term. So we're able to very easily forecast with a high degree of certainty 12 months out from now what our yield will be able to be able to offer to individuals. Is it possible that because of that forecast, because of that, that uh, say, locking in that rate, you guys could take a loss? Uh, typically not because the 
the contractual arrangements, arrangements that we're working with, backed by uh, hard real-world assets, such that if anything goes does go wrong with these with these engagements, we're actually able to recover funds and then recollateralize the uh, the ecosystem to keep it solvent and also be able to pay out the interest that that is owed them. So, if anything, there might there might need to be some fine-tuning and adjustments over time, whereby we change the interest rates. But overall, it wouldn't be uh, put us into a situation where we would otherwise be uh, running at a loss. What kind of uh, digital assets can be staked or used to to accrue this interest? Uh, as of right now, we have four tokens available. We have uh, Ethereum, Dai, USDC, and USDT. You you mentioned in your last statement that you can tweak the interest rates. One thing that really makes me wonder about these kind of things when you say tweak is when remember um, cloud farming when it came to cryptocurrencies. You can you know sign up to this cloud service, cloud farming service, and they say you're going to make X amount. They also would tweak depending on electricity costs. Uh, on, on the cost of Bitcoin and these other different aspects that sometimes just made you lose in the, in the long run. How do you ensure that people will make a, a return on their in investment? And if not a return on their investment, how secure is their cryptocurrency in your custody? So the cryptocurrency is quite secure in our, in our custody because essentially going back to the underlying loans and, and arrangements that actually back uh, the ROI that we are offering, it, it's actually being done through hard real world asset lending that's uh, that's income producing. So the idea is that we also have these things called first lien senior secure positions against these assets, such that if anything goes wrong with the loan, we're able to recover the hard asset itself and liquidate it to maintain solvency. That's the first thing. The second thing is when it comes to that tweaking that I mentioned earlier, all tweaking, I guess, is, is groomed differently depending on the service that, that you're looking at. You know, you have cloud mining, of course, which tweaking can mean a very, very drastic thing depending on where electricity rates go and things like that. We're really not looking at drastic changes in interest rates that people are paying to do hard hard lending. So just to, to get to move away from the abstract and more so towards tangible stuff, right now we have about 8.6 or 8.7 million worth of car equity lines of credit that's pooled in our ecosystem and offering yield at six and a quarter percent, six point two five percent to our end users. Right now, it's very very easy for us to predict if anything were to change because we're working with a pool of about 911, 912 vehicles or so. Should anything change with them, we're able to make adjustments to the ecosystem, and that these adjustments are quite slight because we're dealing with things that are slow and methodical moving. It's analogous to traditional finance, but it has a DeFi twist or DeFi spin on it because we're bringing it into a crypto base ecosystem that's configurable through smart contracts. Tweaking in our sense is definitely uh, held in a different vein and different in a different light compared to uh, other things you might be familiar with. Right on. Corey, thank you very much for coming on the show and describing your project. Thank you. And my favorite decrypt reporter is coming back to talk about anonymous credentials on the Cosmos ecosystem. Mr. Scott Cipollina, how's it going, brother? Thank you very much, Matt. Am I your favorite writer today? Your second favorite, and this is your <laughs> third day in a row. So actually, you probably went down to third, man. I'm sick of talking to you. <laughs> but this article that you wrote is anonymous credentials are coming to the Cosmos ecosystem. I want to know a couple things about this is one, what is credentials? And I'm going to put that in air quotes. And why is it to a Cosmos ecosystem? Like, how does this even work in blockchain? Right. Okay. So basically what credentials are is just identifiers specifically or generally they just mean identifiers. So for example, um, you know, your name, your age, all those things are identifiers. Anonymous credentials are basically a means for users to provide certain information that, that offers legitimacy about who they are, but can also afford them an element of privacy, which is why I suppose they're called anonymous credentials. Why is this a big deal? Hasn't Civic been doing this since 2015, 16? Well, I think the, the, the biggest takeaway from this story is that NIMS 
anonymous credentials uh, an attempt to sort of create a decentralized solution to Cosmos blockchains and also to credentials in general, which are typically um, provided on a centralized system. Who cares? I guess what I'm asking with this is that why is this a thing? We see companies that have done this before. Uh, Civic is still trying to do this. Nobody's using credentials on the blockchain. It doesn't matter if it's centralized or decentralized. You still have to carry your ID in your wallet. What does this mean and how will it be used? So one of the one of the advantages, some would say, about decentralized credentials is that centralized credentials, on the other hand, they're typically only available when a network's nodes are up and running. On the Cosmos ecosystem, which is meant to be decentralized, these credentials are going to be permanently accessible. And there's some advantages to it that, again, center around privacy, which is what we just briefly discussed a minute ago. So, for example, um, achieving like KYC and AML compliance requirements um, can be done, but also they can be done in such a way that doesn't surrender excessive privacy from the user's perspective. Gotcha, gotcha. When it comes to these things, I mean, look, Apple is making a huge move to the into the game about uh, credentials. And your Apple ID is, going, is being used many, many places now to even log into apps or websites or do payments, use your Apple credit card. Um, and it's actually very, very secure. Why are we talking about this outside of like the mainstream ecosystems? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it comes down for a lot of people to trust, essentially. So, again, centralized credentials, as is the case with Apple, you have to put your trust in a third party to make sure that these credentials don't go anywhere that you haven't given an explicit permission for them to go, if that makes sense. And as well, from my perspective, at least, there isn't at least an accessible or, or user-friendly way for somebody to verify that that hasn't happened. So it does come down to trust, and a lot of people aren't very trusting, so that's a problem for some people. With a decentralized system, that's no longer the case. So that that is one of the... Uh, I suppose some would say advantages of a decentralized system or a decentralized approach. Understood. Understood. Scott, thank you very much for writing this one again and coming on the show to talk about it. Thank you. No worries. And in our final news story today, hackers are trying their luck on a big Bitcoin wallet that's exceptionally hard to crack. The catch is it might be empty. Hackers are trying to break into a Bitcoin wallet said to contain over $690 million of Bitcoin. But because of encryption, thank God because of encryption, it's hard to crack, even with sophisticated computing. Somebody actually tweeted at Google, give me a quantum computer because, you know, quantum computing could actually be the death of Bitcoin and SHA-256 encryption. And there's a little hitch to this. The wallet could be empty, but it could not. So, hey, if you want to take your crack at it, get the wallet. Try to crack this encryption. It doesn't really matter. It's like winning the lottery. Just guess one, two, three, four, five, six, hashtag, dollar sign, whatever, and you might be able to get it. It's worth a shot. Worth a shot at $690 million. I'm going to try it. And if you heard it here and you win and you get that money, guys, come on, break me off a little piece. Please, please, just a million. I'll be super happy. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. I will be back tomorrow with a long form podcast with our boy, SBF, Mr. Sam Bankman Freed talking about sushi ftx and future proofing his exchange and his business i'm excited for that conversation you should be excited too i'll see you tomorrow